2: Welcome to the show. Today is the second day of June 2021. Guest call-in number is 917-889-8827, and it will be available for people to call in to listen to the program. Uh, There are 50 lines available uh, after the reading if you want to, uh, you know, come on with with any questions or comments. Uh, go ahead and push one, and we'll see that you raise your hand in the studio. The chat room is available for anyone who wants to use it during the show at com forward slash fundamentallymormon. So, I uh, am driving my truck. Let me see here. You hear that? My radio. I mean, my, uh, my horn. Kim, did you hear that?
3: <laughs> yep, you can hear it. <laughs>
2: I'm I'm a little ridiculous. I don't know if they can hear it on the radio show, because, like, the last time I did it, like, last week up to mine, I was listening to the replay of it, and uh, mm-hmm. it didn't seem, I couldn't hear it very well. So, I don't know. I don't know how these things work. But anyway, so, before we begin the program tonight, um, I drive a semi-truck, my wife reads while I drive, cuz she is kind of like that. And uh, I was driving around the other day and I heard this knock noise. And I just got done emptying coal at the uh, power plant on the ground and I think I picked up a rock in my doleys, and I think it got thrown at something inside of my truck. Anyway, or not inside, but on the outside of my cab or something. Anyway, but I was looking around for to see if there was anything broken. And I noticed that the exhaust on the driver's side didn't have anything connected to it. It was just an empty exhaust stack. And I was like, oh, no, what's going on? And then I started looking at it, and I was like, where did it come from? Like, where's the exhaust come from to go there? And then I was looking at it some more, and there's no soot, exhaust soot on this exhaust stack. And I'm like, what the heck is this crap? So it turns out only one of my two exhausts on my W900 Kenworth actually is a real exhaust. The other one is a dummy. But it looks good. So I was thinking, man, I should put a PA system or like uh, an old locomotive horn inside of the where the exhaust is supposed to go. It'd be like a big old horn. So I know I can't do that because my boss will be like... What what do you want to do? But if this is my truck,
1: totally do it. Anyway, I drive for a company, unfortunately.
2: Anyway, uh, so today we're going to be learning about the Reformers. And uh, this is one of my favorite topics, uh, learning about these people who rebelled against a, uh, a system of authority that claimed to be Christian but was uh, actually the remnants of uh, what Rome did when they hijacked Early Christianity And uh, they did the best They could to like come out of that And to reform But a lot of the things that they, The traditions they bring out Of the Catholic church The Roman pagan Catholic church um, You know they brought a lot of False traditions out with them And uh, it affects every single Church Every single Christian church out there even the Mormon church. Um, but so, because we, we still keep Christmas and Easter and Valentine's and, and all of the other uh, holidays of the, of the Romans that they gave to us. Anyway, so there's a bunch of other things, too, that come out of So when um, Jesus is talking about the whore of the whole earth,
4: the whore,
2: the reason why they're called a whore is because a wife is supposed to be loyal to her husband, not going whoring off after the world and after the devil and after pagan things. You're not supposed to mingle yourself or mix with pagan things. It's not okay. I mean, a lot of people, say want to say, oh, it doesn't matter. But it in fact, the reason why Israel got in trouble so many times is because they were intermingling pagan. Uh, we do the same thing in our culture So anyway um, So I really enjoy the reformers Oh the the harlots So the, the whore has a bunch of harlots In the scriptures right Well the whore is the wife That went whoring off after other gods And that is uh, You know the, the Roman Catholic Church After it was hijacked by uh, Pagan Rome And um, I'm making this turn here. And uh, the Hewlett's are the reformers that come out of her. That's that's what John saw. That was the imagery that he was giving. So um, anyway, I'm going to let Kim dedicate the program. I'm going to mute myself because I am here at the coal dump yard, and I got to get out and okay. pull my gates, my safety latches, okay. so that I can get this load off. So uh, I'll mute myself, and then Kim, go ahead and dedicate the program, and then uh, you can start the reading. Do you have all of the the text up?
3: Oh, I have the text up. Course. I was trying to figure out how to make it so my screen didn't keep timing out while I was trying to read. For some reason, it does it after, like, 30 seconds, and I was trying to make it go off that, and I cannot. Like, I tried to find it. It says I have it on a 10-minute timeout, but, um, it, you know, it goes dark after just 30 seconds. So I'm like, I don't know what is wrong with this thing.
2: Well, you have two laptops available to you, and who knows how many tablets we've taken away from the kids. I mean, doesn't Olivia and Emma both have tablets that we've taken away from them, or are they?
3: I think Did that, you can get on near... Facebook. Mm-hmm.
2: Uh, I don't know. Like I know that we went, uh, we went up to uh, Utah County, a month or two ago, and when we came back, things were missing. So I wonder if uh, if the kids are hiding them somewhere because <laughs> they've done that in the Maybe. past. You know, they they like. Yeah. They'll, like, hi, I'll, I've gone into my 12-year-old daughter's room before just for the listening audience and for Kim. And mm-hmm. uh, and I found things in her room that she was intentionally hiding because she wanted to play with them. Electronics. Uh, old phones that we don't use anymore. And she will hide them between the wall and her bed.
4: Well, when yeah. she had
2: the other room with the bunk bed she wants them and she doesn't want us to tell her that she can't have them because she is entitled like every other kid on the face of the planet. Anyway. <laughs> Alright, I really do have to you, to uh, get out and do my job, so I will mute myself and anybody else can read along at uh, facebook.com forward slash L-A-Z-U-R-U-S 1977. I've also posted this, the text And the links and everything at Zion's Redemption Radio Network, which is a paid to
1: go take a look at. So, all right. Meeting myself. Love you. Thank you.
3: Okay. So, first, the dedication. Our Father in Heaven, we come before thee this evening and give thee our gratitude and thanks for the many things that we were able to achieve today and the accomplishments that have been made possible by your help and your kindness. We thank thee for our family and friends. Thank thee for the spirit that is there to guide and help us with all of the many things that we so greatly need help with each and every day. We also give thanks, Father, for thy word and for all of your, Christian um, people, all of the people who believe in your name and who want to know more. And we thank you for like-minded people and for the friends that thou hast given us that we might be able to begin the process by which we may have the kingdom of God on earth as it is in heaven As we truly want this with our hearts, Father, and with all of our might and mind and strength, we hope to make these things possible. We ask Thee, Father, to please watch over and help us to also guide us to do Thy will. And we ask You to be with us this night and all of our listeners. Help us to be able to read and understand comprehend the words that that would have us here tonight and please father give us the words to be able to speak what it is that Thou would have us um, teach the world and we are just truly grateful for thee and give thee thanks and praise thee in all things and this we pray in the name of thy son yeshua even Jesus Christ. Amen. Okay, so tonight we're going to read The Reformer's Attempt to Reform, Chapter 6 of Holy Priesthood, Volume 5, pages 58 to 74. Okay, and again, just in case if anybody wants to, you can call in at 917-889-8827. You can press one if you want to be unmuted after the reading. Uh, If you have any questions or comments, we have a chat room open, I believe, and you can always interject in that chat room. And let's get right into this reading. No faithful man ought to follow either the pope himself or any of the holy men, but in such points as he has followed the Lord Jesus Christ, John Wycliffe, The Great Controversy, E.G. White, page 102. Ecclesiastical history is checkered with accounts of scholastic theologians and ministers who, without the aid of revelation, use their own learning and reasoning to make changes in the ordinances and principles of the gospel. When unable to get a genuine revelation from God, they suppose their own ideas were inspired One of the greatest catastrophes to come upon the Christians was not when they were fed to the lions, burned at the stake, driven from their homes, or perished from famine. True Christianity died when men of learning and pride led the church by assuming divine guidance. But scholars can never replace prophets. After the last inspired prophet died, new, uninspired, learned, and proud imitators took his place. From then on truth and error were intermingled and both sheep and wolves were dressed alike. Paul had warned the saints in Colossians Colleg- uh, chapter 2 verse 8. It says, "Beware lest any man spoil you through philosophy and vain deceit, after the tradition of men, after the rudiments of the world and not after Christ." End quote. We are on page 59. Conditions worsened for hundreds of years. When the words of a pope began to be valued and heeded more than those in the scripture, the Reformation commenced. The resulting contention between the early reformers and the Catholic Church was an important phase in the history of the world. Thousands and thousands of men, women, and children sacrificed even their lives for their faith in the Bible. The major conflict was over obeying the scriptures or following church leaders. Many valiant reformers paid the ultimate price for their simple faith, and all the excommunications, prisons, tortures, and death threats could not shake their firm convictions. But for these stalwarts to lay down their life for their religion required more than mere belief. Their stories and histories are faith-promoting and awe-inspiring, and their teachings and writings are just as important and applicable for our time as they were for theirs. John Wessel, one of the notable lights of the Reformation in Germany, Notice the continual substitution of the word of man for the word of God, and warn the people with this analogy. Um, it comes from History of the Reformation, the Abne, Abigne, uh, Volume 1, page 104, quote, The sheep must discern the things on which he feeds and avoid the corrupted nutriment. Even when presented by the shepherd himself, the people should follow the shepherd into the pastures. But when he ceases to lead them into the pastures, he is no longer a shepherd. And then, since he does not fulfill his duty, the flock is not bound to follow him. End quote. Again, from History of the Reformation, D'Abigny, Volume 1, page 104. And now we're on chapter or page 60, excuse me. It was in the crisis that the reformers took the word of God in the scriptures as a spiritual lamp to lead them out of, dark, out of gross darkness. They sought to distinguish the words of men from the words of God, but a serious problem arose in their mind. Can an individual think or act contrary to the instruction of the head of the church? By what right can a person pursue a different course of salvation from those who should be authorized to preside over him? Could a member of the church act contrary to the leaders of the church? Could God sanction a man acting contrary to church authority? These questions caused the Reformers much serious thought. They arduously studied the Word of God and the Scriptures for the answers. First, they discovered that it was better to trust in the Lord than to put confidence in man. That's from Psalms 118, verse 8. And and also that the servant is not greater than his Lord, neither he that is sent greater than he that sent him. That's from John chapter 13, verse 16. Therefore, he that entereth not by the door into the sheepfold, but climbeth up some other way, the same is a thief and a robber. That's from John chapter 10, verse 1. Because the scripture cannot be broken... John chapter ten verse thirty-five, Martin Luther recognized that the Papists prefer the authority of the church far above God's word. That's from Ellen G. White. Oh, I'm sorry, Ellen G. Wright wrote this, quote. But only the gradual stages did Martin Luther come to full the full apprehension of the fact that he had precipitated a religious revolution. 34, when he challenged uh Tetzels Sale of indulgences. That's in the 95 thesis at Wittenberg, and it was two years later in his famous debate with the Catholic theologian John Eck that he made the definite statement that neither popes nor church councils are infallible. Even then, however, he neither desired nor intended to disrupt the ancient church. His convinced hope was that the church in general and the pope in particular, when showing or when shown crying evils of ecclesiastical corruption, would correct them. That comes from Great Voices of the Reformation, White, page 68. Luther explained the basis of his belief. In History of the Reformation, the Abigni, Abigni, uh chapter 7, verse 11, or uh, volume 7, page 11. It just says 7 and 11. Okay. Quote, but, when eternal interests are concerned, God wills not that man should be submit unto man; for such submissions in spiritual matters is a real worship and ought to be rendered solely to the Creator. End quote. Martin Luther studied these issues probably more than any one of his day. It started with simple questions but led to the revolution of nations. In 1520, Martin Luther wrote over 16 treatises in less than six months against the abusive powers of the Catholic Church. One was a 120-page pamphlet called The Babylonian Captivity of the Church, and another was 100 pages entitled The Christian Nobility, which expressed the clear mind, heart, and soul of Luther. His strenuous efforts were simply an admonition For the leaders to correct the errors and corruptions within the church rather than dominate the thinking and pocketbooks of its members. He laid an axe to the abusive power of the Roman church by cutting down the evils in social, political, legal, and religious thought of the Western world, which had been developing for nearly a thousand years. That comes from Selected Writings of Martin Luther, Theodore Tappert, Volume 1, page 256. Luther's studies and publications led over 100 books on on these issues. These monumental works still stand as some of the most thought-provoking and in-depth studies ever written on this subject, and should be considered as significant today as they were then. Page 62. In 1522 and 1525, Luther delivered two enlightening sermons on the subject of wolves among the sheep. Excerpts from these sermons categorized under these four subtitles, are included here and are worthy of our serious consideration. Number one, Christ's warning of false prophets. Number two, God's word is most important. Number three, after the true prophets come the false ones. Number four, wolves in sheep's clothing. Number one, Christ's warning of false prophets. The Lord exercises the office of a good shepherd and teacher and warns us to beware of false prophets. As though he would say, now you have heard the truth from henceforth, therefore, beware of other doctrines. For it is certain that false teachers, teachers and false prophets will arise wherever the word is preached. Now this gospel here overthrows throws the very foundation of popery and of all counsels. For we are not bound to keep what the pope commands and men decree therefore i again say i say again firmly grasp what this gospel teaches for the authority has never been given either to the pope or councils or anyone else to sit and determine what is faith for christ says beware of false prophets either the gospel lies or the pope and the councils do christ says we have the right to judge all doctrines and whatever is proposed for us to keep or to reject here, the Lord does not speak to the Pope, but to all Christians. Hence, I can say, Pope, you together with the councils have resolved, and now I have to decide whether I may accept it or not. Why? Because you will not stand and answer for me when I die. But I must see to it myself how I stand before God, so that I may be certain of my own fate, or of my fate. Page 63. For you must be so certain in regard to the matter that it is God's word as certain and more certain than you are that you are living. For on this alone your conscience must rest, even though all men should come, yea, even the angels, and all the world and pass a resolution. If you cannot grasp it and decide for yourself, you are lost. For if you dare not base your decision on the Pope or anyone else, you must yourself be prepared so that you can say, this God says and that he does not say this is right, and this, that is wrong. Otherwise, it is not possible for you to stand, for when you are about to die, and you rely on the Pope and the councils and say, the Pope said this, the council has resolved that, the Holy Fathers, Augustine and Ambrose, have thus determined, then the devil can easily put a hole in your drum and insinuate, what if this were false? What if they had erred? And When such a temptation enters your mind, you are already overcome. For this reason, you must act conscientiously so that you can boldly and defiantly say, This is God's word. On this, I will risk body and life and a thousand necks if I had so many. This St. Peter also means when he says in his first epistle, 4 verse 11 if any man speak let him speak as the oracles of god and saint paul says in 1 corinthians chapter 2 verse 3 through 5 and i was with you in weakness and in fear and in much trembling and my speech and my preaching was not with enticing words of man's wisdom but in demonstration of the spirit and of power that your faith should not stand in the wisdom of men but in the power of god that comes from Sermons of Martin Luther, John Lineker, Volume Four, Page 236 and 37. Summary of Number One. Um, do you have anything that you needed to add? We are about to get to page 64, and I was just going to give you a minute. I don't know if you're still in a bad area.
2: I'm. I'm here. I tried pushing the button. A beep. You didn't hear me. beep
3: am here. I didn't hear you beep. Um, You are breaking up a little bit when you're talking.
1: Oh, I'm on
2: wash plant right now, but this is, I, it just it breaks up for just a second. Anyway, um, I should be
1: fine though now.
2: Yeah, I can hear you. So, um, I really like what uh, Luther had to say about all these things, but he, or he used his own logic to to determine scriptures. So he was still relying upon the flesh of his own mind, which we talked about yesterday, make a flesh your arm. That means to rely upon your own mind or upon the minds of others. And we're not supposed to trust in the flesh, right? So um, an important principle that Jesus taught when he was talking to his disciples, he said, who do men say that I am? And Peter said, who everybody thought Jesus was. And then Jesus was like, so who do you say that I am? And <laughs> Peter was like, thou art the Messiah, the son of the living God. And Jesus said, thou hast well said. It, he said, how do you put it? My father has given you this. Uh, hold on. I'm trying to remember exactly how I put it, but basically the gist is, you have gotten this by revelation from God. And upon this rock will I build my church. Now, the Catholics are like, Peter's the first pope, and his name means rock. And therefore, Peter is the rock on which God will build his church. No, not no. <laughs> Well, how do you say it, Kim? No, no. No, no. <laughs> um, yeah, the rock was the rock of revelation that he would build his church on, not, the, not upon the, uh, the sands of speculation or of the mind of man. Because people build upon the speculations in the mind of man, we've got thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands of Christian denominations, all with differing doctrines that are not – True, They are not built upon the rock They take something in the scriptures And then they <laughs> say Well this means this and that means that Well oh, It drives me nuts And it drove Joseph Smith nuts When he was a, a teenager A young teenager Not much older than Lydia And, um, and Lydia is our 12 year old daughter She uh, Or he He was going to all these churches, and, like, his family was split up between a couple of different denominations. Uh, His mother and some of his other siblings were really leaning towards the Methodist faith, and he thought that maybe they might be right. His dad was like, would read the Bible, and he was religious, but he was like, I ain't have nothing to do with all these churches. They like to tell everyone they're going to hell all the time you know, for not believing the way that they believe. You know, uh-huh. uh, so, and Joseph Smith had a huge problem with that in his lifetime when he was an adult. He said, I, I don't like it when the old man was caught up for believing something different than what we believe. Like, And he was being excommunicated for that. And Joseph wanted people to have the freedom of right to believe how they felt to believe and to work it out through uh you know, through talking and, and studying all of this stuff, right? But, um, but like, one would uh, take a scripture and they'd say, this means this, and then somebody else in their other uh, another religion would say, well, no, it doesn't. It means this. And they would argue about these things, but none of them were prophets. None of them would get revelation. None of them got confirmation of the Spirit. And Martin Luther is basically doing the same thing, and he's, I mean, I am very thankful for what Martin Luther did. Uh, he, He did the same thing that all churches do. They turn to the scriptures as though that is their revelation, when the scriptures are simply a tool. If you want to have a personal relationship with God, you use the scriptures to work out your spiritual strength. And then you go to God and you find out what truth is. And you get yourself built upon the rock of revelation, not the sands of speculation. So anyway, but uh, Joseph Smith would come along later in time and, and teach these things. When the time was right, and at the time of the restoration, the time wasn't right for all things to be revealed. God wanted to reveal them, but Joseph Smith said, if I revealed a tenth of what I have uh, as part of the gospel, there would be those here would kill me, and they'd do the same to Jesus Christ. So anyway, I'm going to mute myself. I'm going into Wellington Gorge. So.
3: Okay. <clears throat> so summary of number one. Number one, we have been warned by Christ to be watchful of false teachers and false prophets. Number two, they always show up at the same time or shortly after the true teachers and prophets. Number three, they come in sheep's clothing or, in other words, appear to be innocent by all outward appearances. Number four, the real danger from them is that they teach a perverted version of the truth. Number five, each soul is given the power to discern the truth and need not depend on the counsels of men to decide for them. You must, number six, you must decide for yourself what is right, even though men or angels tell you it is the truth. Number seven, you should become so convinced of God's word that you would risk death to defend it. Number eight, our faith should not be in men, but in God. Number two, God's word is most important. Then they begin to say, yes, but how can we know what is God's word and what is right or wrong? This we must learn from the Pope and the councils. Very well then, let them conclude and say what they please, yet I will reply, you cannot put your confidence in that, nor thus satisfy your conscience, for you must determine this matter yourself, for your very life depends upon it. Therefore, God must speak to your heart. This is God's word, otherwise you are undecided. What does it concern us, whether St. Augustine or Jerome, St. Peter or St. Paul or even the Archangel Gabriel? from heaven, who is still greater, said it. Yet it will profit me nothing, for I must have God's word. I will only hear what God says. Surely a person can preach the word to me, but no one is able to put it into my heart except God alone, who must speak to the heart, or it all is vain. For when he is silent, the word is not spoken. Hence, no one shall draw me from the word which God teaches me. Then you must know in the face of all counsels that this is is the teaching of Christ, although all men said otherwise. Therefore, no one can be aware of false doctrine unless he be spiritual. For Paul says that it, this in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 15, "...but he that is spiritual judges all things, yet he himself is judged of no man." So, no one can judge false doctrine but the spiritual man. Hence, it is very foolish for the councils to wish to determine and establish what a man must believe." when there is often not a single man present who ever tasted the least of the divine spirit so it was in the council of nice when they undertook the to to enact laws for the spiritual orders that they should not marry which it was all false because it has no foundation in the word of god then a single man arose actually, by the name of
2: it actually contradicts the scriptures that they did that it, it's just, it's against the words of God that they did that. So. But they didn't care, because the prophet is more important than past leaders, or even scripture. It's the same crap that the, church, the Catholic Church was, was doing. It's the same crap that's going on today in the Mormon Church. It's the same spirit of apostasy. So, anyway, I'll mute myself.
3: By the name of Pat Nuttius, and overthrew the whole affair, and said, "Not so, that is not Christian. Then the entire council, in which undoubtedly were many were, were many distinguished and learned individuals, were compelled to drop the resolution and give way to this simple and honest man, for God is a great enemy to high titles and w- human wisdom, hence he allows them at times to be handled roughly and puts them to shame in their speculations that the truth of the proverb may appear the learned are mo- the most perverted thus we are to remain free judges to have the power to decide and, and judge to accept or reject everything that the pope establishes and the councils determine but when we accept anything we should all, we should so accept it that it harmonizes with our faith and the scriptures, and not just because the Papists say it. Even here, so many holy fathers have erred like Gregory, Augustine, and others, in that they take from us the right of judgment. For this torment and misery began far back in history that we must believe the Pope and the councils. Hence, you must be able to say, God said this, and that God has not said. As soon as you say a man has said this, or the councils have determined that, then you are building on sand. Hence, there is no judge upon the earth in spiritual things concerning Christian doctrine except the person who has in his heart the true faith, whether it be a man or woman, young or old, maid or servant, learned or unlearned. For God is no respecter of persons, since all are alike and precious to him, who live according to his commandments. Acts chapter 10, verse 34, hence they alone have the right to judge. In the worldly government, of course, the rule holds that the older is wiser than the younger, a learned man than a layman. But in spiritual things, a child or a servant, a common woman or man, can have the grace of God as well as an old person or a lord, a priest or the pope. To sum up, let no learned person take from you the right to judge. For you have this right as well as he. Now let me tell you who the false prophets of our times are. For no one can judge or know this unless he has a spirit. But the brief summary is, though much they say, yeah, though much may be said on the subject, it is the Pope with his entire government. For they all have taught what is opposed to God. Again, look at the first commandment, which says that we should trust in God alone and call upon him alone. But their entire doctrine is nothing else than to lead us to trust in human works and to command us to call upon the saints. Do you not see that such people are the real false prophets of whom we must be aware or must beware? For they abolish the commandment which God has given. As I said before, no one knows others by their fruits except he who is spiritually born again therefore he who has not the spirit cannot have this knowledge that's from the same as the last one <laughs> what was the last quote on here oh goodness it's been forever the last one is from second corinthians first corinthians but it says i bid pages 239 to 243 Summary of number two. Number one, we must depend on our conscience our conscience and on what God speaks to our heart. Number two, the words of men, apostles or angels, are not as important as as God's words. Number three, we must depend upon the word of God, even though all men say otherwise. Number four, no one is capable of judging things until he has the Holy Spirit for a guide. Number five, the most learned men are often the most perverted. Number six, when you sustain the voice of counsels of men, you are building on sand. Number seven, false prophets teach things contrary to the word of God, and they lead people to trust in them rather than in God. Number three, after the true prophets come the false ones. In the first place, we perceive from this, that we must be prepared because it will always happen that after the true ministers come the false ones come those false ones yea they will indeed even enter alongside of them and mingle with them so it happened in the days of the apostles then that the church was still pure but as soon as they died who held fast to the pure doctrine, then came the false prophets and the evil spirit, who desired to change everything, as the epistles of Paul sufficiently show, and inasmuch as this is so, and as we can expect nothing else, Christ our Lord warns us here, as a faithful shepherd and bishop should, that we beware, so that when the gospel comes, that we hold firmly to it and not depart from it. Though it costs our life and our treasures, for it cannot be otherwise as the time passes, then that there were, will be changes, end quote. Page 68.
2: So I wanted to say something about the last thing that you were talking about.
3: Um, okay. Uh,
2: and I was trying to keep it in my mind that I was waiting for you to finish, and then you just went on to a different topic.
3: Oh. Well, remember. that was like 15 pages, so they. I think they had like four bulleted points, and we're on yeah. the third one now. Yeah. Well, what
2: was the topic of the last one
3: again? Um, Just give me one second. It just says summary Sa of number two, but um, we must depend on our conscience and on what God speaks to our heart. The words of men, apostles or angels, are not as important as God's words. We must depend upon the Word of God, even though all men say otherwise. No one is capable of judging things until...
2: Okay, I remember what I wanted to say. So I've had... So I've done missionary work. All right, so as as everybody knows, well, people that listen to this program regularly, um, I was a Baptist, Southern Baptist, very anti-Mormon, and um, when I converted... Like, I converted because God showed me the truth. And um, and then I would, like, uh, study, still study the anti-Mormon stuff so that I could know how to defend it. And uh, I've done missionary work, I don't know, for 20-something years now, or 24 years, I guess. I don't know, something like that. Uh, I've been, you know, on this path, doing all this work, trying to, teach people and learn for myself and a lot of times people will be like the scripture says that if an angel comes and declares any other doctrine than this doctrine that we've given you uh have to reject it I, i can't remember exactly how the scripture goes but um yeah but what happens when men twist the scriptures and you look at the scriptures and you read it according to the, the rose-colored glasses that they, that you've been given you know, and uh, and you are actually giving a false doctrine straight from the book and then God sends an angel to set you straight then, then you take that, that other scripture and you say well, if an angel declares any other doctrine then this doctrine that's been given well, if the doctrine that was given as it fell from the lips of the prophets and apostles, that's one thing. But you and your interpretations without any revelation, that is something completely different. And um, that's why uh, in Revelations, in the book of Revelations, John saw an angel fly in the midst of heaven having the everlasting gospel to preach to them that dwell on the earth in the last days, saying, Repent ye, repent ye, the day of the Lord is at hand. That happened. That angel came and declared the truth and the everlasting gospel because of the apostasy that had happened within the last 2,000 years in the church. So, um, you know, but you, uh, are people out there with their, uh, you know, they say, well, the scripture says this, therefore you're wrong, that they don't ever get any revelation for themselves. They just trust in other people. And the other thing, too, when it talks about these learned men, these wise men, well, the, the wise men of the day of Jesus, they knew all of these things, but then they had all of these false ideas about what they were supposed to expect from a Messiah or a Mashiach. For for our Christ And when Jesus came They were very interested in him But then they were like Well you don't fulfill our uh, Ideas about what's Supposed to happen So we're just going to reject you And they did They, They rejected the truth And the same thing happens in our day A lot of people have an idea And especially in Mormonism What the one mighty and strong Is supposed to be like when he comes to set the house of God in order, which is spoken of in D&C section 85, where Jesus says, I will send one mighty and strong to set the house of God in order, which implies it would get out of order. But then they've got all these ideas. They think of all these things, and they, they take all this stuff and all this logic and information, and upon the sands of speculation, they build their doctrines. And then when God sends a prophet to them, they say, well, you can't possibly be the one because you don't know fit the parameters of our, our speculations and our ideas. And, like, I don't know, like, they don't get revelation for themselves. Latter-day Saints should get revelation for themselves, but then there's another thing that I wanted to talk about. So, um, when our Joseph Smith said that when God raises up a true prophet... The adversary will raise up a false prophet that will seem very false in the truth around him as the true prophet. And I have seen this over and over and over again. I am a true prophet. I didn't choose to be this, and I didn't even want to be this. But I am, and I've been given a message and a witness. I am interested in other people who have received God's word. So I'm always interested in other people who proclaim to be prophets. One interesting thing that I have noticed, and I wanted him to be a true prophet because I don't want to be alone in this. I want another, you know, witness to stand with me. But um, Denver Snuffer, he proclaims to have seen God in 2003. You know, uh, in 2000, like the timelines of Denver and myself match up and I didn't know who he was at the time, but it's just really interesting. And I even have on my, um, on my iTunes, uh, like reviews, somebody was like, oh, this is a slick way to, to poke, uh, fun at Denver snuffer. No, it's not. This is not satire. This is, this is what God has told me to do. My witness is true. And, um. And part of, like, I don't know, fruit of that Is We get on these radio programs And all all hell breaks loose with the program All the time You know, that's the devil wanting to shut me up Because when you raise yourself up Against the devil's kingdom He will come after you And um, It wasn't until I heard Denver Snuffer Preach Well, I mean, I've always given him a pass I'm like, well, maybe he just doesn't understand it, And I'll give him a pass But when he actually said that Jesus Christ sent an angel to show him that the resurrection was his first light on Sunday morning, I knew he was lying at that point. And he was doing that to gain popularity and appraise of men, because that's not how it happened. So, and I can't, I, if he said, well, I think, then that would have been something different. But as soon as he said that an angel showed him, I knew that he was lying. So, um, there's like so many things I want to talk about when you're reading, but I'm glad you're reading because I will never get through this chapter ever. (laughs) It'll take us a week to read this chapter with all the things that I just want to say. So I'm glad you're reading, but then I'm like, Oh, I want to talk about that. And I don't have anything to like write down a note as I'm driving, you know? So maybe it'll come to my mind later. I don't, I don't know. I just it, it upsets me. Oh, the thing about so um, uh, the testator has to have his life put to death in order for the testimony to be in force, and that was true for all of the prophets and apostles, except John the Revelator. And I'm thinking about this last night. John the Revelator is translated. He has not died, and he has not been resurrected. He has been his life has been withheld, and he is a testator. He receives the testimony of Jesus Christ in the Book of Revelation, which is one of the most powerful revelations ever given to man. But he hasn't died yet, and I wonder if he will be the other one that will die in the streets, as spoken of in Revelation chapter 11, so that his testimony will be enforced. I just it just popped in my mind last night, and I started I was like, oh. Wow, I never thought of that before. But uh, anyway, I'm going to mute myself. I'm almost up to the mind to get loaded. So
3: okay, four forty-two. Copy that. Um, as soon as you said Day that, four. of course, my phone went out of it. So now I'm going back in. Okay. So mm, let's see, page six. 68, is that right? No, this is summary of number three. I was already at 68. Sorry about that. Because we had started number three. No, and that's right. I'm on page 68 because um, I just stopped abruptly because I knew you wanted to say something. Okay. Here you may say, why does the Lord do this? Why does he permit false prophets to come among the faithful and follow the true ministers? is he not strong and powerful enough to prevent it so that the gospel might remain pure and in all its force? Verily he could indeed do this, but he does not. And for this reason that he might prove those who are his and punish the unthankful for, if you have the true word and the right understanding of it, the world will rise to oppose you. Then on the other hand, the devil will labor to tear you from it so that not only the tyrants of the world will persecute it, with the sword but also our own reason and the wisest heads in the world in order that God may exercise you in his word and give work to the spirit whom he has bestowed upon you, that you may learn that God's wisdom is more excellent than the wisdom of this world and that God's strength is stronger than the strength and power of this world, which you will not be able to learn without a struggle like this. That was the longest run-on sentence I think I've ever read. Continuing on, when God permits a faction to oppose thee, He would thereby stir thee up, saying, "Defend yourself, grasp firm hold from the world, from the word, and test God's wisdom and the powers of His word, and learn how great it is the folly of this world." Thus, the power and wisdom of God's word will become manifest that you may learn it and cannot be conquered by human power and wisdom, but that it will conquer all power and put to shame all knowledge and wisdom in order to awaken the truth and to show forth what is right, that the people may experience it. For how many are there who ever thank God for it? We forget it, cast it to the winds, and become lazy and careless. It is approved by none. No one tastes it. No one lifts up his hands in thankfulness to it or to God for it. We are so very richly overloaded with the gospel that we become satiated satiated, with it. And St. Paul has rightly prophesied in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verses 3 through 4, for the time will come when they will not endure the sound doctrine, but having itching ears will heap to themselves teachers after their own lusts and will draw away their ears from the truth and turn aside unto fables. Here and there throughout the whole scriptures, we see how greatly it offends God who regards it as the greatest sin when his word is despised, which is so dear and precious that it costs him the blood of his own dear son, and we cast it into the wind as though it were of little importance. What does it matter? We die as we die. We must at any rate, if we are killed by the sword, but that the soul should be forever given to the devil. This is an eternal calamity and everlasting misfortune and torment. I would gladly prevent it if I could by preaching, praying, and writing. For this reason, I give warning that we should not think so little of this matter, but open our eyes, not regarding it merely as the word of man or of a man. It is a precious word, and if we sleep and snore and do not keep awake to hear it, we need not be angry when he strikes us on the head by sending us false prophets. But remember that we have richly deserved it. Already there are but few who stand steadfastly. Sectarianism is rampant and few there be who contend against it and preserve the true doctrine. Their names could all be written on a little card. What shall come to pass when once it breaks out with force? Therefore, let no one consider it child's play, for the word is not an insignificant word. It stands for something. I bid, volume 4, page 247 to 251. Summary of number 3. First, Peter and Paul and other doctor disciples warned the saints that false prophets would arise among them. We're on page 70. Number two. Where is
4: area?
3: Oh, okay. Um, can you bring my charger from upstairs? Thank you. Number two, there will always be false teachers and prophets to follow the true ones, and they will change everything. When the true gospel comes, hold on to it with your life. Number four, the false teachers and prophets are allowed to come so God can test his people to see if they will continue to follow the word of God. Number five, the false prophets must must also have a chance to prove themselves and their followers to be unworthy of the truth. Number six, truth will always be opposed, and true disciples must be willing to give up everything for it, even their lives if necessary. Number seven, false teachers and prophets are often allowed because the people are worthy of them. And number eight, at times the names of those who preserve true doctrine can be written on a little card. Now we're on number four, wolves in sheep's clothing. The gospel lesson further says, Who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravening wolves? No one sends them, they come of themselves. This is true deception of false prophets, that they force themselves into the ministry, some in order to find their bread and butter, which I do not consider of much importance, for even there they will not find a paradise. For he tests us by offering us the contrary to see whether you, on this account, would depart from his word. As our fanatics at present boast, That they have devoured the Holy Spirit, feathers and all, and are thoroughly filled with the Spirit, and say that the Holy Ghost has not spoken to them from heaven, and has revealed something special to them, and the like. I too ought to know something of the Spirit of which they boast, but alas, they are all too highly spiritualized for me. Page 71. This then is coming in sheep's clothing. Namely, so to preach and quote the scriptures, that it may appear as the true doctrine For it is not said that they come in wolves' clothing or with teeth and spears. They do not publicly preach anything destructive or without Scripture. Otherwise, people might recognize them. Therefore, it is true, as men say, the Holy Bible is a book for heretics. That is, it is a book that heretics dare to claim for themselves most of all. For there is no other book which they so wickedly misuse than just this very book. And there never was a heresy a heresy so bad or gross that they did not try to patch up or cover with scriptures. Just as men say, God is the God of rogues because they who are the largest crowd in the world claim for themselves the name of God. Not that God is to blame, but the rogues who thus take the holy name of God in vain, thus the Holy Bible must be a book of four heretics. Not that the Holy Bible is to blame, but the rogues who so shamefully misuse it, should I for this reason neglect the Bible and not read it by no means. Thus the Bible is a book for heretics, but I will not for this reason cast it away, but so much the more study and learn it because these rogues oppose it. Therefore let now every person be thus well-prepared and thoroughly equipped that he may not so easily be led astray by their showy life. Although, they even attempt to quote scripture to you, for ravening wolves are most certainly back of it. And although they think they feed and satisfy you, they actually rend you, destroy, and devour you. However, without spiritual eyes, no one will be able to so soon to decide or judge of this matter. I have often said, and will always say it, that the greatest and most difficult contest is for a person to contend with scriptures against the scriptures, to strike aside another man's sword. Wrench it out and wrench it out of his fist to slay him with his own sword, to take from him his weapon, and with it strike him again. This no one can accomplish except he who is enlightened by the Holy Spirit, so as to be able to recognize these rogues. You have often heard from me the safest doctrine and rule by which to prove the spirits, as John tells us in his first epistle, volume, or chapter 4, chapter 4, I'm sorry, chapter 4, verse 1. Beloved, believe not every spirit, but prove the spirits whether they are of God, because many false prophets are gone out into the world. Does not the Pope require his rules to be more strictly observed than the gospel? Only compare them and see. Sex and factions will not last if we are only able to await their destruction. <coughs> sorry. <coughs> I had to sneeze, excuse me. (laughs) But a faithful minister will be victorious and will endure. For the word of God abideth forever. Isaiah chapter 40, verse 8. I bid volume 4, page 251 through two fifty. And summary of number 4. Number 1, false prophets. Always come in sheep's clothing. In other words, they appear to be something they are not. They deceive by their looks, manners, and claims. Number two, they claim to have revelation and abundance of it. They teach. Number three, they teach from scriptures to make it appear their doctrine is of God. Number four, the greatest rogues in the world use the Bible for their own purposes. Number five, for this reason, we must study it more than they do and understand it better. Number six, we must send off their words with the word of God as one sword fighter uses a sword against an enemy. Number seven, false teachers demand obedience to their word over the word of God. Number eight, these men seek to receive money, etc., from the people instead of giving it to help others. Number nine, false teachers and false prophets will ultimately be destroyed along with their false teachings. Only God's word will endure forever luther took his own advice when he was brought for trial before the councils of the church he declared sorry i had to get a drink i beseech you by the mercy of god that whoever can whether high or low let him bring forward the proof let him convince me of errors let the scriptures of prophecy and gospel triumph For I will be wholly ready to revoke every error if I can be persuasively taught. Yes, I will be the first to cast my books into the fire. I believe in neither Pope nor councils alone, for it is perfectly well established that they have frequently erred as well as contradicted themselves. Unless then I shall be convinced by the testimony of the scriptures or by clear reason, I must be bound by those scriptures which have been brought forward by me. Yes, my conscience has been taken captive by these words of God. That comes from The Road to Reformation, Heinrich Bomer, 1946, page 415. The Reformers did a fine job of exposing or correcting many errors that had crept into Christianity, but they were unable to restore all that had been lost. They did reveal, however, important facts. Number one, the church had made many changes in the laws, principles, and ordinances of the gospel. Number two, the church had discarded and opposed many divine truths. Number three, the church leaders had lost the promised gifts of the gospel and were guiding the church through their own knowledge and education. Number four, the church leaders could be led astray. And number five, it was possible for the church to lose the holy priesthood. Number six, the church needed to be reformed and set in order. The Church of Christ actually lost its purity in the very first century of its existence. Since the reformers did not restore the gospel or the priesthood that had been lost in the church, that would have to take place at a future time. This was to be the mission of the prophet Joseph Smith. And that's the end of the reading for tonight. We do have chapter seven, the uh, priesthood. prefix of it so that we can read a little bit of what we will be reading next or tomorrow. Um, We still have the call-in lines open if you have any questions or comments. So the call-in number is 917-889-8827. And if you want to call in with any questions or comments, you can do that at this time. Well, I am reading uh, the beginning of Chapter 7, Joseph Smith's Admonition. Did you have something you wanted to add? Nope. Uh,
2: just, yeah, the, the call-in lines are open. I'm watching the studio. So okay. uh, anybody who wants to call in, um, Kim's going to just read the preview for tomorrow's program, and then uh, at the end of the reading, uh, if we have callers, that's cool. If not, then we'll end the program for tonight. But, but you know what? This This program, I thought it was going to take two parts, but I thought Mm -hmm. maybe if I shut up and just let you read it, that you could
4: probably do it in one. (laughs) Ta-da!
3: Yay! Yeah, I can put out some, some, uh, I can read out some scriptures and books in some pretty small amounts of time. I'm pretty good at that.
2: (laughs) Yeah. I really like you're reading though because like I'll listen to you read and then I'll uh, I do listen I I listen to the reader program before we get into the program and then I listen to you read and then I think about things and then when I'm uh, doing the screen recording for YouTube so I can upload it to YouTube I think about you know things as you're reading to me even though you're asleep when I'm doing that so I don't know I enjoy it. So thank you for doing that for us. And I was thinking also, so we don't get paid. We don't get paid for doing any of this. Um, but I was thinking, well, Kim, Ti- Kim kind of gets paid for doing it because because I'm able to work at, uh, you know my full arm the shift, and we're making the money because I'm driving, you know, and doing my job, and. Uh, So,
3: uh, and my paycheck goes to my wife because, uh, that's the way it's supposed to be. Um, I also, so the way that I I read, I was going to say, um, we have a reader program. The reader program reads in the form of like computerized, um, like dictation, so whatever the way the, that it is written, the computer t- tries to decipher it. But it's very monotone and it's without feeling or anything. When you have a person actually read it, it comes out the way that I do it. It's just more animated, I suppose, which actually makes for a better reading, don't you think? over <laughs> mom,
2: because I flow and don't like my voice. It puts people to sleep.
3: Oh, yeah, and I'm a little bit more of a bubble. Okay, well, I will continue reading. You're breaking up a little bit. Um, Chapter 7, Joseph Smith's Admonition. Joseph Smith said to this people that all the wisdom he had was received from the hand of the Lord. Brigham Young Journal of Discourse, Volume 1, page 78. All Mormons respect the name and position of Joseph Smith, But only a few really appreciate and comprehend what he taught, said Brigham Young, who was one of the most devoted apostles. It is my delight to hear the things of God brought to the understanding of the children of men. This is the beauty of the gospel we have received. The excellency of the glory of the character of Brother Joseph Smith was that he could reduce heavenly things to understanding of the infinite or of the finite. When he preached to the people, revealed the things of God. The will of God, the plan of salvation, the purposes of Jehovah, the revelation in which we stand to him and all the heavenly beings. He reduced his teachings to the capacity of every man, woman, and child, making them as plain as a well-defined pathway. This should have convinced every person that ever heard of him of this divine authority and power, for no other man was able to teach as he could, and no person can reveal the things of God but by the revelation of Jesus Christ. That's the end of that from journal of discourse, volume eight, page two Oh six. So hopefully you're just on the edge of your seat and so excited and can't wait for tomorrow's reading just like us. Um, and then we'll be able to hear and maybe chat with you even tomorrow. Cause that would be absolutely amazing. Did you have anything you wanted to add? Can you hear me? Well, I guess that will be the end of the program tonight, though he does have to end it with the music. I cannot do that, sadly. Oh, and my kids have come back. They go to their... their. Bible church and scripture study at night on Wednesday nights, and they just went to do that and made some cute little things for me. Amberly, what did you learn about? Um, Can I see what it says?
4: Sam-
3: Doing what God wants. Ooh, good job. About, um, this person in the Bible, he had really long hair and. God- oh yes, the Lamanite Sam, um, Sam- Samson. Samson.
2: Oh, Samson, Samus.
3: Samus. Did you read about Samson? Samson he is
2: not a Lamanite.
3: Oh, that's Very what exciting. I thought she was saying. She was saying Samus. And I was like, I don't know. So Samson's in the Bible. They wouldn't talk about Lamanites yeah.
2: at the church that we go to because they are right. not LDS.
3: Yeah. So anyways, they were talking about Samson. Yes. Yeah. The guy who was
2: deceived by Delilah.
3: Yes, yeah, whose hair was chopped well, off by his girlfriend. Do you, remember,
2: <laughs> do you remember back in the 90s and 2000s, they used to have that program called Delilah where you had to host it? Yeah. like <laughs> Delilah. What's it
3: like I, in New York?
2: <laughs> I always would laugh. Delilah, the love show. And I'm all like, oh, my gosh. <laughs> Because, you know, <laughs> Samson and Delilah I don't know I'm, mm-hmm. I'm special I have my own special ways <laughs> But uh, I did drop off the program For a minute while I was coming down to the mine And now I'm climbing Barrow Hill
3: So did you finish okay. the uh, preview? I absolutely did It was so invigorating And everybody is just waiting On the edge of their seats for tomorrow Uh Yay! I yeah, know. We,
2: we, uh, we don't have anybody in the the studio that has any questions or comments. So so I guess uh, I'll cue uh, the music and we'll uh, I'll call you as soon as the music's over with. And then I'll okay. go for the uploads for yesterday. I don't know Mm -hmm. if they uploaded or not because I, I transferred them over to the phone with the battery pack on it to try to like get them to upload because everything is dumb.
4: Mm
2: -hmm. (laughs) And, um, I don't know if it ever finished and the battery died for some reason, um, as it was uploading. So I'll try to figure that out. So, oh. One of the other things, the uh, listening audience, they've been waiting on pins and needles for us to get proper internet. They actually, uh, over the last two days, they've been working on getting the piping for un- underground directional drilling to our house for fiber optics, mm-hmm. which is kind of cool because I used to do the same job that they're doing. You know, but I was in Florida where everything is sandstone and sand. So uh, anyway, but uh, they got that done today. So now they have to have a technician come out and run the line uh, to the house, and then uh, like hopefully in the next couple of months we'll have uh, internet to where we'll be able to upload things all the time. It'll be easy instead of using my phone all the time. But yeah. So, So anyway. Yep. Um, Also, then you can do
3: your radio shows, and you can do it online and all that stuff like you want to do. And that probably means, sadly, that I will not be on.
2: (laughs) No, you will be on because, well, uh, we're going to do a little bit different when we get Internet. I'm going to set up a mic in the office so that you don't have to use your phone and you have it all on a computer to run the studio and everything. It'll just
3: be Mm -hmm. easier.
2: And it'll be clear You'll be able to talk
3: Okay uh, you
2: are know, you like breaking a regular up? I'll uh, cell phone reception in the house
3: <laughs> You're breaking up right now
2: I know yeah, Were you uh, in the car When you were reading today?
3: Mm-mm. Nope
2: Oh must be nice. When I sit in the house to do the radio show it breaks up like crazy. You
3: know, I'm sitting in the corner in the living room.
4: Yeah, oh, okay. all the girls the are like
3: waiting to talk to me. They're all like sitting here like waiting.
4: <laughs> so all
2: three girls went to church tonight, right?
3: Yep
0: know they don't go like Well, that That's sounds
2: cool. fun. I'm glad that they can go.
0: All
3: right. Well,
2: I'm going to cue the music, and uh, we'll be back okay. on tomorrow at 8 o'clock with the next chapter of uh, Holy mm-hmm. Priesthood Volume 5. So I'll call you as soon as the music's done with. Love you.
3: Love you too. Bye.
2: Okay. And talk to everyone later. Take care. God bless. Goodbye. Mm-hmm.